0: Hey, good people. I'm Buisiwe Lamini and I'm a writer, interior designer, content creator and businesswoman. And I'm super passionate about telling stories that build and uplift black self-esteem. I believe in empowering others and I'm constantly working to create spaces that feel safe and secure enough to thrive in. Welcome to Show Me Your Friends podcast, an offering that focuses on telling accessible stories about business, entrepreneurship, and the people in and around our circles who sacrifice daily to make this a lived reality. This idea was sparked from an Instagram post, which I hashtagged, show me your friends, in which I asked my friends to share a few of their friends we could procure services or goods from so many people reached out to me saying they didn't even know that their friends could do half of these things and so my hope is twofold that these conversations would reach a child in the location who feels hopeless because of limited resources in order to show them that success is not linear and all of the little blocks of challenges, support, being in the right place at the right time, how those can build us. And secondly, that we'd feed back into our own communities through education and empowerment and extending the ability to do good business in order for money to circulate in and empower our circle of friends. We need to tell our stories. They're important. In this episode, I chat to attorney Tebelo Mutwane, known socially as Bells. She is the Managing Director at Collective Intelligence Legal Consultant, and across social media, we know her as our sister-in-law, a platform that she founded, dedicated to empowering women and the community through legal education. The major thing that I,
1: that I always think about when I think of you is the number of hats that you wear. So here you are. you're the managing director at Collective Intelligence, um, which, mm-hmm. you started, which you founded, and then mm-hmm. also have sister-in-law. And then on the side, mm-hmm. I'm seeing an Instagram cooking page. Um, on the other side, you've got DiPiri. I'm not sure if that's your yours or your husband's but you just Mm. have your hands in a lot of pots. So what is a typical day from when you wake up for you? When I eventually get out of bed, (laughs) because for me, like one of the things about, um, that, that I really, really treasured about owning my time is that I never have to wake up, you know, when it's still dark, unless I'm doing like a, 21 day exercise challenge, which, you know, really, already leaves me grumpy. I really prefer to wake up at around half past six, um, seven o'clock in winter and definitely earlier in summer. But a typical day for me, which I really would like to change, I'll tell you why, is I wake up, I check my emails and then straight after checking my emails, um, depending on what's on the schedule I update all my social media pages, and that's usually, or, well, rather, let me say the business pages. And at the moment, that's 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 um, collective intelligence sustain law, and then it's also the Dpv page that I'm running. Then I run three other pages for clients on behalf of clients. Um, then I update those as well because I also under collective intelligence, I have an offering um, that assists with you know just building up your social media. In the beginning of, of, of starting a business until you know things are stable on your site. That is a package that I offer, you know, on, on the side to, to legal services. And once I'm done updating um, all those pages and, and doing sort of the groundwork that I like calling PR work, then I start reviewing contracts or usually then attend to um, uh, consultations if there's consultations set for that day. I like doing my consultations on a Monday and on a Thursday. It just gives me, you know, um, a little bit of stability and, and a routine knowing that Mondays and Thursdays are set for back-to-back consultations. So depending on the day, I'll either go into consultations or, or reviewing contracts. Um, also on Wednesdays, I do, that's when I do all the admins. So depending on what sort of um, assistance the clients need, needs if it is not urgent I try to do all the admin intensive stuff on a Wednesday that's what I do and before corona all of that would be waking up checking emails then taking the kids to school then coming back and then continuing with the social media pages during COVID it's been zoom classes in between everything um I sort of I sort of try to uh, multitask on that, but uh, I found that the kids were very, very independent with it. Uh, they are now at my mom's house, so that's, that's that's given me a lot of, you know, time instead of having to multitask. And then, what do I do for the rest of the day? Depending on how long each instruction is taking, I'll I'll get to that. And then, usually, I before COVID, I'm I'm just giving you best of both worlds, so you see how how much things have changed um before COVID I would also have two days in a week where I'd work from Pretoria and two days in a week where I would work from um Johannesburg sites, so mostly Santon or Madrand, Pretoria because I found that there was a lot of clients who um I would service from the Witchbank sites. so Pretoria was sort of a halfway for them to travel um and then and then um Santon was sort of the Halfway from my other clients, I did have clients from Sibukeng and other parts of, of, of you know, the, the easterly side of Halting. So Santon would sort of be a, a, a common um, or, or a midway kind of distance for both of us to travel. Um, obviously, with COVID, I've done away a with a lot of traveling. So most of my meetings happen on Zoom. And I think we've actually underestimated how tiring those can be. <laughs> exhausting. Like exhausting. Firstly, I'll tell you why. Um, there's no Zoom meeting of mine that's actually stuck to an hour. Even, even with my paid consultations, it's very difficult to sort of pack everything in an hour. I don't know what it is about Zoom that sort of makes us think that we've got more time when we don't. But I've, I've I found it very difficult, you know, like having having back to back Zoom sessions in one day, really, really, really is exhausting. So what I've tried to do is um, set meetings an hour apart from each other, just so I can have a breather in between. Um, and then with COVID, I've also you know set up quite a, a few live sessions um, on, on on my on the Sustainable Instagram page. Uh, I've I've updated content on YouTube. I also then started a newsletter that I had out um, that, that, that I launched at the beginning of, of lockdown. And then I also have a podcast, very important. I forgot to mention that I also spend, I also use um, uh, some of my weekdays just uh, recording clients, or r- rather, recording visitors for the podcast. That takes about an hour, an hour and a half, depending on, on whether technology is on our side or not. And yeah, that's a typical day. Then, then it's five, six o'clock, I make dinner. If if hubby hasn't already made dinner, I make dinner. And really by seven o'clock, I, 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 I try to have every device as far as possible away from me. And it's just catch up time with, with hubby, with the family, with TV, with reading. Anything that doesn't really have to do with the outside world is what I do from seven o'clock till till bedtime i do have a bedtime routine that's usually tea or a glass of wine and a book because if i if i do anything that is um social media intensive or 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 even netflix then i actually just don't have a peaceful sleep so much goes on in my head even if i just watch a movie like i think about the characters and i really just carry that into my sleep very different when i read a book. Wow! just hearing about your schedule, I'm still so dumbfounded as to how you fit all of this in because I really always see an update from you, from all your social media every single day. And on my side, we've had this discussion of how I'm trying to grow my social media presence in terms of business. But you are one of those people that I look at as just being so consistent and it seems so natural to you. And I and I mean on your sister in law page on Instagram, I think you have about six thousand followers. If mm-hmm. not at all. So it's it's over that, I think. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Um you have also quite a large Twitter following. How do you manage those interactions? Because I can imagine you get a lot of direct messages. You get a, a lot of um, private messages on Twitter. What are, the, what are some of the questions people are asking you and how are you managing that traffic? I really had to be disciplined about, especially Twitter. Um, I don't know, it's a, it's a whole different war game out there. It's a, it's a jungle out there on the Twitter streets. But I found that on Instagram, people don't actually dm you know quite often um and i found that on instagram the the dms have also been very very to the point it's not like chit chatty um i've also found that people on instagram actually end up sending an email which i'm definitely going to get through before i get to a dm so i've seen people who say hey i got your email address from instagram i need assistance with abc Twitter's a bit different. Twitter has a, a lot of crushes. <laughs> like <laughs> a, a girl still got it going on, clearly. <laughs> um, so I, I usually get, you know, people obviously DMing, asking for lunch, um, asking when I'm free, asking for coffee dates, asking you know, just wanting to get to know me better. And um then during COVID, I've had a lot of people actually reach out for um for example, sanitary items or food vouchers. Um, I really tried to assist where I could, but you know, as the saying goes, we cannot help everybody. Um, so in the beginning, I, I really was forthcoming because I really understood that, um, you know, people were, were, were really heavily, heavily displaced um, from the lockdown. But that started, I started being more disciplined and just understanding that the truth of the matter is that we cannot help everybody. Um, and then, uh, Twitter also get, I also get a lot of business, surprisingly. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Twitter is, yeah, no, it's definitely, it's definitely, it's definitely a large part of my bread and butter. I would say that the instructions I get through Twitter and Instagram are like 70, 30. Wow. The 70 go to Twitter. Yes. Okay. Wow. For me, it's interesting because I'm always like, you know how, um, I guess, I guess, I guess it's, it's, it's a whole perception thing. On, on, on Instagram, people look, you know, put together, they're posting their, their social life, they're posting the best aspects of their lives. You sort of think that that's where the money's at, but not really. Twitter's a lifestyle. And sometimes people are really just browsing because they really just love skincare tips they really just love luxury items, you know, Louis Vuitton, Chanel, um, or, or, or high end fashion. But they're not necessarily consuming that the stuff that they like, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know, I don't know, but but that, that that's 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 how I would I would split um, income income wise. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm more likely to make money on Twitter any day than I am to make money on. on on Instagram but in recent times when I started being more um deliberate and intentional about my LinkedIn page I have gotten you know bigger campaigns through LinkedIn like that is where the bacon is at not not even the bacon the whole pig farm is there by LinkedIn you know (laughs) And, and I was just like my Whole life, I've really been underestimating this platform. I mean, I I met my husband on LinkedIn. So after after that encounter, I sort of just it sort of just faded over the years. And then this year, maybe three months ago, I went back to LinkedIn and I was like, okay, now let me be more intentional. Let me change my bio. Let me change my picture. Let me let me let me change my about. Let me interact more with people. Let me accept all those people who had sent requests. Let me send out new requests. And, you know, two two of the most recent um, campaigns I've done have been through LinkedIn. And I also recently did, um, I was a facilitator for a webinar that I also got through LinkedIn. So I'm just like, man, i really been sleeping on LinkedIn. For me, LinkedIn feels very formal. That's why when you first mentioned it to me, I just, I was like, there was a bit of disbelief that mm. you much from it. Mm. Mm. But honestly speaking, um, you know, if, if people think that certain platforms really do away with traffic, then LinkedIn really, really embodies doing away with traffic. It's almost like, you know, people who are there are a little bit serious. Yeah, they're there for work. They're there. To meet other professionals? Yeah, sometimes to meet a wife, but yeah. (laughs) Or a husband. 100%. Okay. And now, are you creating, uh, do you have a content day? And are you creating different content for Twitter, Instagram? Um I know your your podcast has similar um content to your sister in law page, but are all of these moving parts um their own content creation vehicle? No, not at all um so the podcast actually is different from Sustain law specifically because i'm not I'm not giving advice on the podcast. I'm profiling um bl- uh, black women and women of color in the legal profession you know. Um the, the podcast just goes into their experience, why they chose law, um, issues of transformation, issues of how we, we can find solutions, legal solutions to combat gender-based violence and and, 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 and all those um topics. Whereas on, on my sister in law page, I'm really just giving out educational content. So my content is the same across all my all my um social media platforms, including um YouTube. So what I do is um, Instagram allows a longer uh, or longer caption, and then um, the website, my website, is where I post the article. So you could find that the topic is the same throughout all my social media platforms. It's just a matter of chopping and changing so that it fits the platform. And then the YouTube channel is the um, you know visual. Why is it important to have a will, you know, for example? But it's the same theme across, across the board. Can you just give us some insight between collective intelligence and sister-in-law and the chicken and the egg situation? So which one came first um, and what they get from each other? Okay, collective intelligence was what I went into when I first decided that I want to work for myself. So, um, I went. I, it actually wasn't, wasn't difficult to start. I remember coming up in, with the name and then um, asking, asking, asking my husband, well, who was my boyfriend at the time, I was like, how does collective intelligence sound? And he's like, yeah, that's very nice. You know, it won't limit you to a specific offering." And already then, I, I I I started having an interest in in social media um, management or sort of being a fixer. So not just an attorney, but also being a fixer, um, doing doing press press release statements and 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 public apologies. Like you know, when celebrities um, fumble and then somebody drafts an apology for them. Mm-hmm. So I was doing that on a small scale. So the collective intelligence aspect really, you know, um, was supposed to include, like, tax solutions, legal solutions, accounting solutions, and then um, uh, uh, PR solutions. So that name came about, you know, when I was was thinking that um, this is what I want to do, but I don't yet have a very solid, solid um, structure for it. Uh, Be that as it may, uh, six months into the business, it really, really started Taking on the more legal side of things, and that's when I then added legal consultants to the name. And Collective Intelligence Legal Consultants was just the consulting company, which the aim um, was was and still is to provide startups and medium businesses with comprehensive legal uh, advice and uh, legal services, which they can put into a budget, predictable and um, you know, affordable and more, what's the word? Yeah, predictable, more predictable than 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 the bill that you'd expect from a traditional law firm. So with that, with the consulting company, I made a decision that I would move away from billable hours so that when you're starting a business, in your business plan, you're able to say, okay, I've spoken to the vendor. She said for the assistance that I need, it's 30,000 rand. And that way you're able to budget for that 30,000 rand. I won't then come back and say, well, I I worked three extra hours on this agreement. So therefore you need to pay X, Y, Z. So I really just wanted to give businesses the security um, that they needed in terms of budgeting for their legal fees. Because what was happening was that a lot of entrepreneurs were just doing away with the legal, um, you know, with the legal aspects. And then later onwards, getting into trouble with a supplier or, or a manufacturer and then only wanting to prioritize legal services. But then by by then, it's too late to, you know, unpack the mess that has been made or, or, or rather detangle the mess. Yeah, it is quite late when, when you're in trouble. I mean, I've been in trouble before. And um, yeah. one thing that I can say is just a general note and to state the importance of, um, the legal fraternity is your your um, service level agreement, or your contract, or your client agreement should not be from Google. It should not. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I remember you told me about the story. Yep. So so that that's a classic example that um, you know a lot of people don't prioritize the importance of 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 of, of trademarking. The companies and getting a company registered, getting a bank account, um, just being aware of the tax issues of the different of the different um, business enterprises you use. People who are running partnerships with no partnership agreements, and then they start fighting uh, because at the end of the day, when money starts coming in, your best friend isn't so best friendly, and your sister isn't so sisterly. You know, they they, they you, you start having arguments. Business is booming and there's no partnership agreement in place. There was never a document which detailed who does what and who contributed what and how will this be split when we start making profits. So, yeah, so I, I really, collective intelligence was really just to give um, startup businesses the security that they needed in, provi- in, 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 in making provision for legal fees in their business plans or, you know, in their forecast.
0: And then sister-in-law then comes around in
1: 2018, and where does that come from? So sister-in-law was born through collective, and the reason why is that in some during collective intelligence, I started having a number of um, you know female uh, clients who were always asking about you know we'd be having this this meeting on drafting a partnership agreement and then someone would be like, you know what, I'm going through a divorce and I just quickly want to know if X, Y, Z, or someone would come and be like, oh, I'm getting married next month. And um, you know, I have this in place and that in place and 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 I need to look for a florist. I need to look for and then I'd always ask the question, do you have a marriage contract in place? And people would be like, what? What is that? You know, and I thought, okay, these are savvy business but they don't even know like um what are the consequences of of being married in community of property when you run your own business, when you're a sole proprietor, for example, or when you're a shareholder or when you're a partner. So then I said to myself, this is actually information that should be accessible to everybody. Every every woman needs to know the basic concepts of how a marriage regime affects her estate or how it affects her finances. So why does this only have to be available when you're in a privileged enough position to speak to an attorney, you know, when you're able to afford a consultation fee, when I really believe that this is actually stuff that women should know from an educational perspective. So there was a name that, there was a nickname that I would call myself, uh, Sister-in-law. And eventually I thought, oh, maybe I can finally use that nickname that I've parked to do something with it. So I registered the trademark and then I registered the company name and then I sort of just sat back for like another month or so. Then I knew that the mode of of, of delivery was social media. And then I opened all the social media pages and yeah, my first post was on child maintenance. Um, I've since deleted that first post because I started changing the, the aesthetics of the page and yeah, that's how sustained law was basically born. And for me, that was um, also just years of, of 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 being curious about my own mom, my own parents' divorce. You know, being curious as to why did we why did we live here, or why were certain things happening? Why were we only able to see my dad on weekends and and holidays? And you know, why Monday to Friday we with my mom? All those things and 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 and. And, and how she then also ended up walking away with close to nothing, that really been playing in my mind for a very long time. And, and pursuing law sort of helped me answer those questions. But sister in law helps me answer these questions for other women out there, for other people who are, you know, who find themselves in my mom's position and without an answer or without the resources to go consult with an attorney for, for what I believe should be basic knowledge. Yeah. And what is the business model of sister in law in terms of um making money? Because even though you're providing this education, um, you have to keep all of this running. So how are you doing that? Mm-hmm. So how I've always done it was that um whatever is online is educational. But if you have specific merits, then you have to do a paid consultation. Because those specific merits m- merits only apply to BUI, you know. Um, yes, fine. Maybe your husband died, but before he died, did he have a will in place? Um, was he in a polygamous marriage? How many children does he have? So all those other factors are factors that are unique to me. So, so from that, um, I'll, I, I consult with you and that's how I get, I get paid. And, and through our consultation, maybe sometimes you need assistance with a divorce or you need assistance with drafting a will. Or you need assistance with drafting a marriage contract and then i charge for those things or parent parental agreement you need help with child maintenance and then i charge for that oh perfect and then you host those i know they happen on saturdays one happened really close to me it happened in rosebank and um women come in and you teach them about a topic of the day or after. oh yes oh the workshops oh yes yes, yes. so so I've I've had <laughs> yes I've had I've had the workshops um and just before just before the lockdown we were scheduled to have workshops in, in Bloomington, Cape Town Durban and um, Northern Cape and and Johannesburg um so those workshops were basically they happened once every three months but it was just. A, more of a platform to enable women to, to, to meet with each other and also just come get the information from a common place. So I would have four attorneys who speak on different topics and um, those events were ticketed. So you would need to buy 350. And on that day, it's basically a workshop and you ask questions, you're given a workbook, you know, there's homework to do, in, in terms of, you know, having your will drafted or speaking to your partner about marriage contracts or, you know, you know speaking to your parents about, about drafting their wills and, 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 you know, changing transfer, deeds of transfer at, at these registry, uh, transferring their property into their names. So just things like that, that, that workbook would give deliverables that you now need to do after the workshop. So I had those... Um, yeah, I had I had I had one in Lesotho and one in Botswana as well, which was very very interesting. Um, that that to me just showed me that you know legal education isn't just um, you know, something that's lacking in South Africa, but in in our neighboring countries as well. Mm-hmm. So those workshops, I put them on hold. Um, I'd like to do a webinar at the the intimacy and the human engagement of the workshops has a different outcome to a webinar. I mean, I've never done a webinar, but I can already imagine that, you know, it's very difficult to split away into groups of five when you're you're doing a webinar. Yeah, and of course, I think, um, you know, whatever amount that people pay for the workshops, right? They get it in tenfold, not just in information, but also in being able to access these other women who are also professionals. And so, yeah, yeah. I, I really do think Zoom and Teams and all of these um, um, apps and things really take away from how we socialize with each other face-to-face. 100%. When you think of all these moving pieces in your life, what I'm picking up is just a thread of education, of teaching, of sharing information. Would you say that that is your calling? Hundred percent. I would I would definitely say that that is my calling. Um, and it's you know, I, I really love that you asked that because it's so important to sort of know your why and that way you really won't be obsessed. I mean, of course I this is also to make an income. There are bills that have to be paid, but I'm not obsessed with them with, with the times where with the months where there's, you know, close to zero in my account or or no new clients or, or um, I'm doing old work, but not being paid for it. So that understanding that why is so, so important. And I really just think that, um, this route or path of, of making education and empowering women, the core structure of, of, of my, of both my businesses actually, because both of them are aimed at actually empowering people. Um, you know, in, in collective intelligence with empowering um, entrepreneurs to to prioritize their legal matters. I really just think that um, empowering people is is my calling.
0: I love that. And I, I really think um, you stay true to your calling. And one way that I measure um, someone staying true to
1: their calling is how I receive that person. So mm. all the information that you share whether it's, whether you've just woken up, there is always an element of like, have you, have, have you seen this? Did you know this? Mm. Did you read this? Mm. Think about mm. it.
0: And I love that
1: because I think across all your platforms, um, in all your businesses, that is the one thing that I pick up. And it just, it speaks volumes to me of, you know, a black woman honoring her calling and being mm. a Live out that calling and be paid for that calling the way that she deserves to be. And looking at all of these, yeah, you do you feel as if you're being remunerated the way you would like or the way you expect? Sure. So it's it's an interesting one because the remuneration for collective really came on early in the game, especially because people were always telling that you're not going to make money in the first year. Um, you have to give it five years before you start seeing any money come in. And so I really went in with it with that, you know, whole attitude that, okay, I'm not going to make anything in the first year. And then I did. I got really lucky that I had a client at the time um, based in, based in Rustenburg. And, uh, you know, at the time the. Uh, looking to to partner with a coal mining, they, they were into diamond mining. They were looking to partner with coal mining, whatever the case was. I ended up making money, like not like little money, money that made my head big because <laughs> I was told you won't make any money in the first year, you know. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then about nine months into the business, I got into a heavy, heavy, heavy compliance issue um that ended up setting me back uh, a couple of thousands and that forced me to actually go back into employment i had to find a job so that i could cover that debt because initially i had used money to a previous debts from before business right um you know prehistoric debts mm-hmm. and, and 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 so when that money came in from the mining deal i really just used it to 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 start a new life not knowing that i'd get into unforeseen compliance related debt only for me to have to find a job so that I could cover the new debt. So um yeah, yeah. Uh I, I then went into that ditch and sister in law actually started when I was when I was employed elsewhere. So it came at the time when um I had just gone into the into the business ditch and then found employment and then sister in law happened and that didn't pay. But it wasn't it wasn't bad because you know I had a stable income I had a paying job then um, one day I woke up and I was like actually it doesn't matter if I don't get paid with sustained law this is where my heart wants to be and this is the work that I really want to do and I, I really the the return on investment in that business for me was impact you know um hearing women say oh my goodness I didn't know that oh wow my mom has now drafted a will Wow, I managed to have the conversation with my husband that um, you know now that we married the the house should be registered in both our names at at the deeds office. So um, all of that impact to me was rewarding. It was my income, and yeah, I can I can I can safely say that um, you know with introducing merchandising to sister in law, things have picked up and. And just as a whole, things have picked up. Doing doing campaigns as well with other brands, collaborating with other brands, you know, also boosted the the the, the income. And just more women being more interested in in having wills, having marriage contracts, um, pursuing child maintenance against against baby daddies. That really has brought in some income, you know. So you 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 really won't see the roads for a while. Sometimes when when you do things out of passion. But you know, like like I said on, on 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 my Instagram page not too long ago, that you need to be able to turn your passion um, or, or or your or your purpose, as as bumi likes putting it, um, there's this lovely girl Mbumi on Instagram, as she likes putting it, you have to be able to turn your your purpose into a profession. And yeah, that's that's something I I work on every single day to just ensure that in the purpose, there is a way to, you know, make a profession out of it and to make an income out of it. Because like I said at the beginning of our chat, the income does keep, you know, the lights on. Yeah, and I think it's important for Black women to be remunerated well, full stop, 100%. So I think we've actually covered quite a bit in, um, you know, this chat. I do think we need a part two, because in part two, Mm -hmm. I want to unpack your other businesses, I want to unpack your history, I want to unpack challenges and difficulties, and um, Mm -hmm. being a black woman in the legal fraternity, I think everything you speak about is just so pertinent to where we are right now. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So I'm looking forward to that, and um, yeah, I'm holding you to it. We have to have a part two. You're you're now about to unpack all the topics I'm very passionate about. Oh, this is good. So this is just a warm-up. So I can only imagine. Yeah. 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 (laughs) 100%. Okay. All right. Well, then that's it. So we're definitely going to have a part two. And um, everyone should wait to hear when that will be. Thank you. Thank you, Bui. It was a lovely chatting to you. Thank you, Develo.